When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of the 1871 podcast. And I'm delighted to say our special guest tonight is former Reading midfielder Paul Holsgrove, who already knows that he's one of my favourite players from the 90s. Obviously, Dylan as well. Uh, but um, Reading midfielder Paul Holsgrove is our special guest tonight. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You all right? Yeah, I'm I'm good. And all the I'm better. I'm happy to be on even more so that I'm now one of your favourite players, but I'm sure you can tell everybody that. <laughs> Not everyone, no. <laughs> I have, we have to tell Dylan. Ah, but, there you go. It's true anyway, but look. Thank welcome, you. Welcome to the show. And um, before we speak to you, Paul... I'd like to have a quick chat about the current Reading side with Johnny. And, and Johnny, obviously, a couple of tough games coming up at Middlesbrough on Saturday. Middlesbrough currently third in the championship. And then on Tuesday, Reading are at home to second place, Sheffield United. So, Johnny, what are you expecting from the next two games? Who, who knows? Middlesbrough away. Um, so they've, they've not. Um... Not lost uh, two games in a row, so there's always the first time for that to happen. Um, we'll see. Uh, I, I think after the the rumours of what's going on around points deductions and everything again, it feels like we've actually gone back to last year when we started this. So you know, it, it's very um, very concerning. And and you know, if we get a points deduction, God knows how that will affect the team. But let's be positive. We don't know. No news is good news. Yeah, it could be. Feels like deja vu, isn't it? But then that's what deja vu feels like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, at, at the time of recording, because we're uh, we're we're not re- we're recording this a bit ahead of when this goes out. So at the time of recording, all we know is that there seems to be a possibility of a six-point deduction. But that's all we know at this stage. So who knows, by the time this goes out, um, we might know no, more, but um, obviously that's all we know for now. So Dylan, coming to you now, talking of tough games, um, unfortunately you had a defeat 
um, Maruma Gallants against Algerian side USM Alger, I think they're called, in the CAF Confederation Cup on Sunday. But um, you've you've gone in, you've bottom of the league, taken over. You've won four out of five since you joined. And, and you know, Marumo Gallant still in a good position to qualify for the knockout rounds of the um, CAFCON Cup, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, you know, I said to the players before, I've been to Algiers twice before and played Uzma Algiers. Um, is the is the official title, um, and the, the the place is very intimidating. It's very it's it's daunting to play there. The fans are absolutely nuts. I mean, the fans are amazing. If there if there wasn't one flare, there was fifty flares, and then fireworks were whizzing over the players as they were getting ready for kickoff. Um, it's very intimidating atmosphere, and the Algerians are very good at winding players up and getting players booked early. So it puts your puts your team on the back foot when you get two or three players booked because that they they, they do what the Italians used to do, you know, annoy and, and and cause a reaction. But you know, from on perspective, you know, uh, Uzma have always been in the Champions League or the, or the Confederation Cup since it started, and Marumo Gallants it's their first time. So um, at the end of the day, we, we didn't embarrass ourselves. We caught, we conceded two set piece goals, uh, which we went through like with a fine toothpick to make sure that we didn't because we knew that was a threat. But um, I think the players, you know, were, were overawed by the occasion and, and especially the fans. But it was a great trip. It was a fantastic trip. And they, they learned something from it, you know, which is always good from, from a football perspective. But yeah, it was a, it was a good trip. We, we, we flew Friday, it took us 18 hours to get there and then it took us 24 hours you know, to come back. Plus, we had a six-hour drive to Bloemfontein. So, uh, and we've got a game tomorrow against Mamelodi Sundowns in the Nedbank Cup, which I won, you know, two years ago. And they're, they're top of the table. Marumo, Gallants are, are bottom. They were bottom when you took over. And, you know, we talked about a couple of tough games for Reading, but um, how, you know, how are you feeling about chances of, of getting through in a cup, like you say, that, that you've won? Well, it's a cup game. Who thought Blackburn had beat Leicester last night? You know, so you, you, you've got to say, well, we're, we're at home, but we're kind of away. Um, the chairman's brought it to Bloemfontein because there's a good support base here and uh, they haven't got a football team in Bloemfontein anymore. So um, tomorrow, even though it's a cup game and it's important, you know, the priority that the club have to look at is staying in the Premier League and as well as getting to the Confederation group uh, quarterfinals through the group stages. Um, the Nedbank Cup, they've been in it twice. We won it last two years ago. They were runners-up last year. Um, it's important because it's like the equivalent of the FA Cup and here in South Africa. So it's going to be tough, but, you know, I've got to make a big, big decision tomorrow and, and things might kick off tomorrow, which uh, might, might, might throw a spanner in the works um, well, to we- say... We'll uh, we'll catch up with you on that on the on the next episode, I'm sure. Uh, and um, in the meantime, Dylan, I mentioned to Johnny. Obviously, we all know a couple of tough games for Reading away to Middlesbrough, um, home to Sheffield United on Tuesday. Both could be in the Premier League next season. What do you um, what do you think Reading can do from those two games? They've just got to keep winning. They've just got to keep winning. You know, at the end of the day, whatever happens off the field, it's not it's not the the player's fault. You know, they've, they've got they've just got to keep winning. They've just got to go out there 
Um, I've had I've had teams where they've not been paid for months. You know, some get half salaries, and, and I've always said, look, you know, just don't drop your standards. You know, keep yourself keep yourself in the game, keep yourself available. You know, and and your, your performances get your moves, and uh, that's what they've got to do. You know, I haven't read what's happened, so I'm, a, I'm actually somebody sent me a message this this afternoon saying, "Oh, Reading." Um, well, I'm not going to swear, but he said Reading are fucked. You know, and I said, "Well, I don't know what's happened." So, um, but for me, whatever football throws at you, you've, you've as a professional, you've just got to keep going and, and maintain them standards. Because you're doing it not for yourselves, you're doing it for the supporters, you know. And without the supporters, the football club does not exist. Well, of course, a, a lot of Reading fans, going back to your time, Dylan, will remember that um, famous stroke infamous season when they restructured the league, Reading finished second and didn't go up. Which brings me nicely on to our special guest, Paul Holsgrove. Um, Paul, going to do a little introduction to you um, for people who might not know some of this. So you joined Reading in the summer of 94. Um, you stayed for three and a half seasons, just under three and a half seasons. You made 86 appearances and scored 10 goals. Um, you started your career at Aldershot. Boo. Never mind. Uh, and played for a few other clubs before joining Reading, including Farnborough, Wokingham, Luton and Heracles Almelo in Holland. Is that right? Heracles, yes. Heracles, yeah. I'm doing really well with the pronunciation. <laughs> anyway. um, what were, were they in the the top division in in Holland at that time? They were. Okay, um, and they won the they have won the championship, haven't they? Morph. Now you're asking me, and I wouldn't be able I'm to home. tell you that. Yeah, yeah. So they're not. I would say they're probably not that well known compared to the uh, the the clubs like. No, like, I, no, you're right. Yeah, I think um, they are. I wouldn't say overachieving, but doing very well if they're in the top division as yeah. a club, as a okay. history. So, and then um, your next club was a club that um, Reading fans will be very familiar with, of course, Millwall. And then you joined Reading, and we were chatting before the show about Steve Wood. You've both played for Millwall, you've both played for Reading, but you missed each other both times, I think, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, but played in uh, many a charity match together. <laughs> yeah, so you you know Steve, didn't you? But never actually played together professionally. No. So um, as I say, you you joined Reading in in '94 before the start of that amazing season. Um, Dylan already there. Reading had had won the title, come up into what is now the championship. Um, and can I start by asking you, you know, how that move to Reading came about, and um, what did you know about Reading before you joined the club? Uh, yeah, I, I was at Millwall, as you say. I was uh, playing under Mick McCarthy. Uh, and bless him, Mick's still going to this day as a manager. As we know, he's just got the Blackpool job. Um, and just a straight shooter, Mick. Um, so it was coming towards the end of my second year. I'd done okay. I'd played a few games under him, but I was never his first choice. Um, and it was just, a, a yeah, as I say, a straight shooting conversation between the two of us. And it was time to go. Um, <clears throat> at that time, again, I've got to try and remember this, Mark. It's a good while ago, but I do remember that uh, Watford were interested in me because that was then Glenn Roder, uh, bless him, who's passed away as well. Um, and then there was Reading. Um, Reading had come up. 
and uh, my agent at the time, um, who Dill may remember, Barry Silkman, who started to look after many a player, was trying to push some good players towards towards Reading. Um, Mark McGee being the manager, Colin Lee the coach, um, and it just it was a really good feeling going there. Um, I did actually go on trial to start with at Reading. I didn't sign permanently. I say trial. It was more of go and have a look at it. Let's see, and if there's a if there's a, a marriage of of ways between the two, the club and the player, um, there was a deal to be done, and and that's it. And I signed already. Uh, and I'm going to bring uh, Dylan and Johnny in in a second, but I'd just like to ask you, you know, obviously the way we all know about how that season panned out, but at, at the start, Reading had gone up as champions. Um, you always get that bit of momentum. You know that feel good factor as well from the previous season. What what was the feeling when you came into the club and and you met the players and pre season? Because you, you you actually joined quite late, didn't you? You joined just before the start of the season, is that right? Uh, I don't know if it was just yeah. I, it wasn't as you're right. It wasn't at the start of pre season. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, my son now plays. He's a professional footballer. He's playing out in Portugal, and and I actually heard this the other day from his agent saying. And I think Dill might even look at this and go, do you know what? He's probably right. They always say now, as an average, a player has two or three happy years in their career. Now, that might sound quite stark and might think that doesn't sound like a lot. But actually now, in hindsight, you know, I was a pro plus apprentice for, what was it, 16 years. And you're probably not far off that. And my happiest time was at Reading. Um, It just, I think we were the right age. Um, I mean, if you look at what was classed as a veteran player or an older player, you were looking at Darius. Um, you know, Aidy was young. Obviously, Dylan Jilksy wasn't that old. Scotty Taylor. Ozzy was young. Stuart Lovell. If you think of all those players, Andy Bernal, Shaq. I mean, Shaka was a kid. And we just grew together. And there was a really good bond. Um, and, of course, I think you have to give Mark McGee and Conan Lee a lot of credit as to the way they got us playing, but we played as a team together. Um, and as we well know, the results started to go well early on. In recalling it, I think did we not? We didn't. We get the record in some like the first six games or something. It was the best record Reading had ever had, and I think that was probably what it how it started. It was never an expectancy to get promoted or or to get into the playoffs. It was, let's see how it goes. And I think within that, as you say, first three or four games, suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, we've got a team here. Um, and there was a lot of confidence flowing through us. And, and as you say, the rest is history. And, and Dylan, I want to bring you in now. I mean, what were, what were your recollections of when, when Paul arrived? And, you know, what, what do you want to ask Paul? Well, I, I still think, well, he had the worst gear ever. And I thought that was his, <laughs> I thought that was his parker coat that he was wearing behind him. <laughs> You know, because he, he had one of them. He came to training in one of those, uh, one of those things. What his his chair he's probably sat on. He's probably renovated his chair into his old coat. His his, his Parker jacket. His dance moves were terrible. Um, but <laughs> no, honey, I'm only kidding. <laughs> uh, dear. It was. It was. I say it was. It, it was good when Paul joined because it, it made it made competition in that midfield. And it made everybody work harder. You know, and I, I remember. We played a game against Leighton Orient and he pinged me a ball. Um, I pinged him a ball, sorry, from the corner. And I think he volleyed it in the top corner. Um, and and from then, you know, you thought, wow, this is a player. Um, but, you know, we, we, we had 
we had such good competition in that midfield. You know, Paul, Ozil, you know, you know, agree with me that it was, it was difficult to gain that that Reading team uh, and to cement a place in that Reading team uh, on a regular basis. It was very, very difficult, and you know, but credit to him. You know, he, he didn't moan, he didn't groan. You know, we, we, uh, and it, as I've always said about Reading Football Club, we had this togetherness. We had this, we had this group of players that, you know, f- whether you're playing or you're not playing, we all we all mixed in together. We all went out together. We all uh, did things together and, and that's what the beauty of, uh, of that time at Elm Park was for us. And when he did play, uh, you got, I think you got injured. I can't remember what game it was now, Halsey. What game was yeah, I broke my leg. Yeah, I broke my broke. leg, didn't I? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, 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 and unfortunately, it was, it was, that was his chance. He was on a roll then and then, you know, injuries, you know, kind of knocked him back a wee bit from then. Um, but like, like you know, I, I totally agree with, with what he was saying about you know Darius and Ad and you know Jiltsy and you know Shaka. I mean, it, it was it was a squad that you know it'll never be repeated at Reading Football Club. I'm, I'm, and anybody can argue with me about this team promotion, this team in the Premier League. Unfortunately, we didn't get in the Premier League that year. Allsy scored. At, I think you scored at Middlesbrough, didn't Allsy? Yep. Yeah, we beat yeah. them, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and we 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 were we were we we were unbeatable. You know, we were unplayable. You know, and and and, and unfortunately, the league dictated that we were going to change from twenty-one teams yeah. to twenty, uh, and and it meant, meant we went to the playoffs. The only time ever in history. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and me and Olsey were. You know, we weren't even on. We weren't even on the bench. No, nope. obviously, uh, that hurts because it's Wembley Stadium, but. You know, we 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 all stuck together. We all, you know, like I say, it was it, it was a big, big family. You know, and 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 that that was the beauty of uh, our time at Reading Football Club. And Johnny, bring you in now. What what do you want to ask, Paul? If you're still with One us, of the guys that's been before about the difference between them and and when Mick and Jimmy took over. What was it? What was that like for you, Paul? The change. Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting discussion on that as well. I mean, this has been we've we've spoken about it many a time before. Uh, you, you cannot deny how much Mark McGee and Conan Lee did for us. Um, the manager Mark was he was very much a man manager, but he allowed the tactics and the tactical nous to be Colin. Um, and again, saying what I'd said about the team, you know, we set up so well so early that we were into games really it becomes it becomes like a second nature to you once you start getting on a roll. And you see that with any team in any league to this day. Um now when obviously Mark then left and went, it it could have been a bit of a nightmare. It could have been an upset. But I think what was good with Mick and Jimmy, um I mean Aidy was helping out at that time. I think Jeff Hopkins as well, was just to keep it going. There was nothing really to change. Um like Dylan said there was no there was no team we feared. You know, if you think of how much was spent that year, if I remember it was something like two hundred grand when you compare that to the teams we were playing against, but the team just it just worked. Uh and we had pace, we had talent, we had, you know, defensively very good. We could score goals. And so I think from from their point of view, um I don't know how they see it themselves, but it, it wasn't really much to tinker with really. It was just to let it run. Paul, I, I just want to ask you about um, playing in, in that midfield. You, you mentioned Darius, um, 
you know, and obviously we we all know what a fantastic striker Jimmy Quinn was, and you had Michael Jilks, and you mentioned Andy Bernal and Shaka, and but you, you were right in the middle of it. What was it? Was it a case of you kind of instinctively knew what the other players were going to do, so you you sort of had that confidence that if you if you put a pass through to to Jimmy Quinn, he was you were you were pretty sure he was going to meet it. You know, if you put the ball out to Michael Jilks, it, it, was it kind of almost instinctive in a way? So you, you're like, you're, what you mean is like in a telepathic, te- yeah, telepathic way. I, I think you're right. I mean, Dil was just saying there, you know, we all knew what our strengths were. Um, my, my best mate, I mean, Dylan knows it was the two South London boys, it was myself and Ozzy, Simon Osborne. And I had a real good buzz and, and bond with Ozzy as a person, as well as a player. And then, of course, we played in midfield together. But then you had your wingers. You were quick. You know, we had Scotty Taylor and Michael Jilks. Or we could use other players in those roles, but you predominantly you knew where you were with it. I mean, we had James Lambert. I mean, James wasn't as quick as the two, but he had great ability. But again, <clears throat> just if you sort of recalling memories, Colin Lee, classic things he used to do. And, and it's, it's, it's the games played like that even to this day where we would work on having the ball, let's say, for instance, on the right side, on the right wing, around Andy Bernal, Scotty Taylor. And it would be about then shifting the ball from the right to the left as quickly as possible to alienate their right back, which was against our left winger and our left back, which was Dill, for them to play the 2v1 and get past. And it, it sounds so simple, but actually when you have a coach that could understand it, could relay it to us, and for us to then work it, it was phenomenal. Um, I remember as well, I mean, like Scotty scored at Stoke and I played the ball through to him. I didn't do anything special. It was just that we, we understood our role so well. And, and again, you know, coming back to it, we had everything we needed. We had the talented footballers. We had the strong defenders. We had the quick wingers. We had the goal scorers. So in, within that team, we had everything that was required to win a game and win a lot of games. Uh, and Paul, you know that that's obviously the football side of things, but we we love hearing about funny stories. And you know, on the on the last episode, we had yet another funny story about Martin Allen um, during his time at, at Reading. But Dylan's talked to us a lot about uh, Utopia, and he's talked about all all sorts of things, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and the little room, you know, the players' room under the stand. What what were some of your kind of Fondest memories, you know, funny stories, that sort of thing. No, I mean, I, deal, Deal's right. You know, when we went out, if we were celebrating, and, and again, you know, I can go through all my squads. It was never the same as Reading. If we went out, there was like 15 of us. It wasn't two. It was literally, we're out and everybody was out. Um, funny stories. I mean, I do remember, I don't know how he got it. I think Stuart Lovell got one of the red cards off the referee one year. And, and well, I say one year, that year. And when we were in Utopia, and Archie, as in Stuart Lovell, was just walking around giving everybody red cards. I think like the dancers were even getting red cards. And, you know, it was just, it was a good banter. Um, and one of my good friends, uh, still to this day, he is, he was my head usher at my wedding, was uh, Tony Herbert, who at the time owned Valbons off in Caversham. We were always there, um, you know, when we were together, the, the group were together. And I think maybe even the modern player, you know, misses that because, the, the banter and the, and the camaraderie you get from that. And, and Dil will tell you, you know, we'd have a laugh about some story the next day when you're in the changing room together and all that ever was doing was just you're making you closer and you wanted to play and fight for your teammate because you were just really good mates. 
Um, and it didn't matter who was out. Also, I remember when we had the Christmas party and Vinnie Jones had uh, arranged for three strippers to come to to that little pokey bar <laughs> behind, under the under the main stand. And the funniest thing was Uwe Hartenberger. He Very was right. not. <laughs> oh, I was not his favourite player person ever again because those three strippers never showed up, and and I, I can always, I'll never forget Uwe Dylan. Where is these strippers? Where are these girls? I am not happy. And he then he is left, the strongest man the ever. Really. He got the train and went to King's Cross Station and didn't come <laughs> back the next morning. Oh, brilliant! But we were that good deal, weren't we? We were that close together, all the boys and. I mean, actually, there is a good story about this this northern person that I'm speaking to now. I mean, you know, we were in Lanzarote and he used to always give us grief for being, what was it, southern shandy oh, something drinking. Southern. But Dill tried, he tried to tell us this at like six o'clock in the morning in the cab, but within, half, well, within five minutes he's asleep and then half an hour journey back to the hotel before he woke up again and started giving us grief about being the same thing about drinking, so... There you go. We we were. It really was. It was a special time. And and out of all the clubs I've left and and you know go back to, I would state the Reading is my home. I mean, you know, my boy ends up being in the academy there as well. So I've got a real affinity with a club. But it, it was just it was just a very special time. And it still says, you know, when you look at what we did as a team, when the manager had done what he'd done to bring in these players, and of course the players he kept already to get promoted. I think that's a very unique situation. If you if you put that up against a lot of clubs that have spent and and done whatever, that wasn't the case at Reading. Yeah, uh, and Paul, just going back to the Elm Park days, because obviously you know uh, Sir John Medeski came in and did fantastic things for the for the club. But I remember those Elm Park days. I remember the you know the the night games under the floodlights, Stilksy bombing down the the wing in front of the South Bank, all that. That's like you know holds really special memories for me and for Reading fans. What was that atmosphere like? You know, playing at, at Elm Park. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was. You're right. There was something about the club, wasn't there? Um, and and the atmosphere was great. The pitch was beautiful. I do remember that. You know, I liked to play football myself, and the and the pitch was stunning. Um, but it was also, as we see with these teams that get really good home form, there was something about Elm Park. And, and and teams didn't like coming. I mean, you you couldn't say it was an intimidating. I mean, I've been at, at Millwall prior to that. You know, at the old den, there was an intimidation factor there. But it, from from the, the the guys in the stand, you know, the supporters, you couldn't say that's what Reading was intimidating for that reason. But to come and play at Reading, I mean, there you go. I suppose you're thinking of stories, and Dylan can vouch for this. If you ever went to Norwich away, you knew you had to just hold on for 10, 15 minutes because Norwich used to absolutely blast you really quick. It was their mantra. It was their way. And without saying there was anything specifically unique about Reading, it was similar in in, in a sense that teams coming there, it was never a good environment for them to play. And yet for us, it was, yeah, it was great. Jo- Johnny, have you got anything else that, that you want to ask Paul in particular? Yeah, I was just thinking, like, when you got your injury, Paul, were you the same player after that? In the, in, back in those days when you know, medical science and all that, how, how did it affect you afterwards? Do you know, it, there you go, Johnny, we're really getting into your history now. I mean, I, I, I was injured a lot in my career. There's no getting away from it. I mean, my games show that. You know, I only hit about I think, 280 in games and I was quite unfortunate with injuries I had. Um, the the <laughs> You talk about 
trusting science and uh, I broke my leg as as was said um in fact Dill might not remember this but it was myself and Uve that got taken off we both get taken off the pitch I got hit on my calf back of my calf Uve was screaming like he'd broken his leg we both got taken to hospital he got a little knock on his ankle we played the following week I was out for 14 weeks from there on there you go blessing Uve and um but you know that the the science at the time was uh, carry on walking and running. It might sound bizarre to say it. Um, so I had a broken leg and it wasn't about going through pain, but the whole sort of thesis behind was keeping my muscle strength and not getting muscle wasted by just going in plaster. They then told me that I could be back play within six weeks. And as I said to you, I think it took me 14 weeks because it was yeah. just a complete balls up, complete yeah. balls up. It, I then... Not, go on. We've not the, we've not got the technology now, you know. I wish, no, I wish, yeah. you know, I wish I wish we would we'd have we'd, total hindsight. Isn't it? And like I say, you know, I would rather, you know, in hindsight, you know, the money that's in football now, Paul, is is unbelievable. But the banter and the crack and the and, and the social aspect that's gone out the window. Yeah, it has you know, it has. You know, I, I'll never regret anything I did at Reading Football Club. The people I met, the players that I played with and alongside. You know, it, it, it was one of the, well, it, it's the best club, like you said, um, that you played for. And yeah. uh, the, like I say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still in contact, you know, um, with, with people that, you know, have, have moved on to different avenues in life, but we still have that same banter. We still yeah. have that same. Now, 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 now I've got you on here and I'll get your number again. You know, it'll be the same now. So yeah. we'll no, some- you're right. You are right. We were good brothers oh. together, weren't we? Yeah, we Paul, obviously, I, I don't know if there's anything else that you particularly re- recall from from that season. We all know how it ended, and I just wondered, you know, your your time at the club. Obviously, you went from that uh, that fantastic first season to what happened of the following two seasons, Reading struggling. What what was it like to go from you know such a a great first season, obviously just missing out on going up to the Premier League, but then having two kind of seasons of um, struggling towards the bottom end of the table well I think I mean you you, you both yourself and Johnny have asked about the, the management and and also with uh, with Mick and, and Jimmy and when you when you start a pre-season you're starting afresh regardless of your history of the year before you know relegated promoted champions whatever it would be and the managers then at that moment have to take the mantle and and produce something within the training and also the team and if it's new players, new additions and so forth. But second to that as well, you have a reputation. So we were a team that ran Middlesbrough right to the end to winning that league. And we were a, we were a target and we, and we never for the whole of that second season, it never got right. Never. And I, I'm not talking ill of, of Mick and, and, and Jimmy, but they never, never really got us clicking. It was never the same again. And that's why I come back to to, to Mark and Colin that, that they 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 had something very special there. And interestingly, when you talk about experiences as well, when you see what Mark did, he went off to Wolves and Leicester, where he had a massive budget. He was never quite the same manager himself. He had to work so hard with what he had at Reading, which meant he had to really delve into the player he was bringing in and everything that would fit. And and sometimes when you give someone too much, it's never quite the same. And I think again that that looking back period was that Mark and Colin they just they nailed it they absolutely nailed it. 
Yeah. They did. They did. And, and, and Paul, I just want to kind of touch on what happened after um, Reading. I think you went on loan to Grimsby in 97 um, and then crew Stoke, Brighton, up to Scotland, same as Dylan. Hibs, Adrianians, back down to Northern England, Darlington, and then you you finished up uh, on the sort of local non-league scene, if you like, Hayes, yeah, Slap, yeah, yeah. Uh, Windsor and Eton in 2001, which um, y- you talk about sort of the the early 2000s doesn't seem that long ago for for people of of our age, but it's sort of more than 20 years ago now, isn't it? <laughs> your but you've kind of continued your your journey in football through through your son, I guess, Jordan Holsgrove. He, you mentioned earlier on he played for Reading's academy. The under twenty threes. Um, he did actually sign pro for Reading, didn't he? But didn't he quite did. into the first team, and then, and he actually signed for Celta Vigo um, uh, in twenty twenty. Was it? I think a couple of years ago. Yeah, blimey. Yeah, I don't know what years they are now. But yeah, and he, he he's represented Scotland at under twenty ones, and and as you say, he's now playing in Portugal. And I'll have a go at pronouncing this. Pastor <laughs> Ferreira. That's it. Pastor, uh, as they call it, like pronounce it. Passos de Ferreira, yeah. Yeah, so j- just the, the important question here is, is he a better player than you were? Many of people tell him not, but look, you know, they, you, all you want, and, and and I think Dylan will vouch, you know, to live your life, you know, you're a professional footballer, go and enjoy it. Um, he's got a very good talent. Um, you know, he, he has, without a doubt, got many a year to play and can do a lot more. Um, who knows where that will take him? But it's really, it's his time now. You know, Dylan and I had our time as well as all the other boys. It goes so quickly. I don't know how many games that Dylan remembers. I don't, you know, it, it's sometimes I only spark a memory when I see my boy in a certain situation on a pitch. But if you actually sat me down and said, you know, name, I don't know, a third of your games, I couldn't remember. Um, so it's just enjoy it. I mean, what a life. You know, you, you, you're at school and you want to be a footballer. And you're one of the very few that can actually get the chance to play professionally, play at a very good level. And like Dylan's saying, what a life. You know, it's amazing. So, I mean, Paul, Aussie, I mean, you know, I, I always thought it was difficult, you know, especially when you were at a big club like ours at Leeds and then wasn't playing and then got the opportunity um, to come down to Reading. And, and I say, um, you know, I'd, I'd agreed to go to Huddersfield. Gordon Strachan spoke to Mark McGee. Mark McGee phoned me. I came down and, you know, everybody thinks it's luck. It's, it, luck has a little bit to do with it, but it's the hard work and the effort and the energy. And they're getting on with players and getting on with the staff at a football club. That, 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 and it was a small football club. I think there must have been six or seven in the office. Now you've got probably six or seven in one room yeah. looking after one. You know, and like, you know... Um, I'm I'm so happy that Jordan's doing so well. You know, I'd I'd lost I'd lost lost contact of him when he when he when he was at Reading, um, not through you know you know wanting to. It's just how how things happen where, wherever I am in the world. You know, and I'm so happy he's doing well in Portugal and he's had the opportunity to go to Spain. You know, but now it's like you know I would I would I, I love telling people about my time at Reading. I love telling people about you know the, the goals I scored at Reading. The, the the championship I won at Reading, and and it's something that never nobody can take away from me. And it doesn't matter what level you play at, 
you know, and I've always appreciated that, and, and I'm sure Jordan does that now as well, especially knowing that his dad used to play football as well. Yeah, no doubt. But do you know, Dil? I mean, you know, you can tell these guys we're brothers still, aren't we? And I think that's yeah. a special yeah. bond you only ever get from being in a team that you enjoy being together, a squad you enjoy being together. It doesn't matter who you see, where you see them at any time. It's just, yeah, yeah it, 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 it was a very, very special bond. I mean, I do, I do go back to Reading still. Um, I, I actually did a bit of business, fun enough, with Nigel Howe. And, and, you know, you go into there and you see the staff and you see Jackie from our time. I mean, there's not many left, as you say. They still yeah. want to see you. They still want to see you because it wasn't the, them and us. It was us. Um, yeah. And, and I, yeah, I, I can't. I mean, we, we've said it enough times here, haven't we, to, to vouch for the the special environment around the club at that time. Well, I mean, probably was before our time as well, but very special. And, and Johnny, have you uh, got got another question for Paul? Yeah, just the my memory fails me as well. Did you end up playing in goal one game? No, yeah. definitely no. not. No. 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 The other thing I was going to do, Paul, um, with, with Jordan being a player and you being the next player, does that make it harder for him or easier? Yeah, Johnny, it's, it's the same. It's the same both ways, isn't it? Because you know, he and I can talk on the level of being on that pitch, and 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 you know, I can deal will, will always vouch for me on this. When you're on the pitch, and there's a guy that's ninety yards away that the whole of the crowd can see, but you can't because you've got someone right in your face, or you've got someone just about to try and tackle you. You don't see that guy, you know, and and so there's a different experience of being on the pitch to being in the stand, and that's not being derogatory in any way, but you can understand from being in a player's situation, it's a very unique situation. So that's good. I mean, the Jordan thing, um, I, I met Rod, Robert Codner the other day. Codner was with us for a while on loan at Reading, and he's like, you know, you know, Jordan, you'll never be as good as your dad, and it's a bit of banter and what have you. So, of course, you know, for Jordan, he's got that side of it. You know, he's always having to not live up to me because I don't want him to live up to me, but he's always going to be told about his dad. Um, but I don't know you guys would know or remember my dad was a pro as well. My dad played for Sheffield Wednesday and Wolves. I mean, he was a legend. My dad in at Wolves played at a much better level than me. I, you know, I was at Reading. I'd get posts coming through asking to get my dad's autograph. You know, this is way before anything to do with social media. I had to handle it. So I had to handle the, the fact that, you know, I mean, he was one place away from being in the 66 World Cup squad and, and so forth. And I, and I was always told that. So in the answer to that, Johnny, it can work both ways. You know, um, there are pros and cons to it. Um, but Dylan said it at the start, you know, with how he is now with his team, you have to have a resilience to be a pro. And it's one of the biggest things going Either the fact that you've been dropped in the team, you've lost in the team, you're at the bottom of the league, you're at the top of the league, but not go. Whatever it is, there has to be a real resilience about you. And there's only ever one person that can do that, and that's you. You know, you can have a strong family around you, friends and so forth, but there's only one person that can ever go on that pitch and do those things and stand up for themselves. So, yes, there's pressures, but actually, at the end of the day, it comes down to the individual. Uh, um, and Paul, uh, I'm going to let Dylan have the last question, but before that, um, you, you said that you struggled to sort of remember a lot of the the games, but do, do you have a during your time at Reading? Um, did did you have a favourite game? Was there a sort of favourite goal? You know, favourite Reading player that you played with? I know you talked about that relationship with Simon Loss, but what what would you sort of pick out as one or two of your 
you know, favourite memories from his No, I mean, you have to say the Middlesbrough game, Dylan said it there, and we went up there, I mean, that's Brian Robson's team, you know, and, and we were going up to what was then Ayrson Park, wasn't it? And, and you know, you're you're expecting, not, I'm not saying we were expecting it, but everybody's expecting us to get beaten convincingly. I think, if I remember, they were unbeaten before we played them at home. Um, and, of course, we won 1-0 and I scored the goal. Um, with the worst celebration in the world, but there you go. But uh, <laughs> it was, um, it was just, you know, it was incredible, you know. Uh, and and there you come. We had beers on the coach on the way home, which you could never see now. What Dylan's talking about, and we were out after, and that's a memory. Um, I had some good memories there. I mean, I I could have played at a higher level. There was chances for me to go, which actually was in the second season when I started playing sweeper because you know having a midfielder drop into that sweeper role in those days. You were quite, you were seen for a different way of playing. Um, it never materialised, and 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 that's the way it goes. But I had some good memories of, of proper games. I mean, we went to Deal's team. We went to Leeds. I think it was in the quarterfinals of the Coca Cola Cup, where it was called. And I, you know, deserved to beat them on that day. And that's the it team is. that had either, either just won the championship or about to, wasn't it? Just before it no. chased the Premier League. No, it was no. That that was two years before. Because remember, two I, years I was before. I was on crutches, uh, you know. There I you go. To play against my old team. Of course, was, you would have done. Yeah, I did. I did. Dylan, uh, I, I had that injury. Dylan, yeah. I, got, I got a question for you. You said you were talking earlier about the the strippers, and and you said <laughs> that it was Vinnie Jones that organised the strippers, or was that a slip of the tongue? No, Vinnie. No, I called Vinnie. Um, you know, when we were at Leeds, Vinnie organised uh, some really lovely strippers at Leeds, and. <laughs> you know, on the trip, you know, a typical Christmas uh, day out, you know, that that would be, you know, one of the one of the things that we'd start off with. We, we'd then go for a bit of lunch and then wherever we end up, we'd end up. But we're always training the next day. So it wasn't as if we'd had a day off. We were always, you know, and, and that, that's the beauty of it. We, we, we partied hard, but we worked hard. And I say, I phoned Vinny up. Vinny had organised these three strippers. Um, I think they were the same girls that we had leads. Uh, the year before, but they never pitched. They were from London, but they never pitched. And like I said, you, you know, I'll never forget Ubi. Ubi, I don't think <laughs> Ubi talked to me for about a month. Well, that was the, I remember that was the year of the Uves, wasn't it? Because um, Middlesbrough had Uwe Fuchs. So, uh, yeah. yes. I don't know if you remember that. So uh, it was quite. Cause... I mean, I do have one, I do have one memory actually, and, and oh. that was us lot in Lanzarote. We we went to Lanzarote. So, like Dill says, I mean, we, I, I I couldn't get back from my broken leg. I wasn't far off, but I, I hadn't played at all um, to, to try and be involved in, of course, the playoffs and then the playoff final, which we all wanted to be. And um, yeah, we were given something like, I think we had seven days out in Lanzarote. It was about, was it 10 or 12 days to the playoff final after beating Tranmere? And, uh, and again, like Dylan said, because we'd all been involved, we were all travelling together up to Tranmere and at home and what have you. And then it was like, right, we're going off to Lanzarote, but you're going to get two or three nights to do what you want to do, which we did. So, I mean, we were on the northern part of the island, straight across the port of the Carmen every day in a, in a load of cabs, and we enjoyed ourselves. And and again, yeah. you look back now, the boys all love the drink, didn't they? And then the managers tried to say, right, you know, after day two, there's no more drinks. And there's just the stories of the managers watching the bar girl walking past with about 15 bottles of beer going to one of the boys' rooms and knocking on the door. And we'd all be in there and the gaffers like that and get out. And then we'd just go to another room and another room. So there you go. You know, we, we were uh, it, we, we're just a good bunch together and, and real brothers, you know, and, and that showed on the pitch. So. 
All right, good then, Johnny. Do, do you have one last last question before uh, we finish? I can listen to this one. Like, that was just the same, Paul. Like, you, you know, when, as a player in that team and talk about the spirit and everything else, when when it went into, you know, decline um, with Mick and Jimmy the, the following season, and we lost a lot of players, didn't we, as well? What? How hard was that? How frustrating is that for yourself being part of a squad and then going into a lesser team that's got, you know, we've lost so many players AD went, I think Simon Osborne, and weren't really replaced very well, were they, to be honest? No, but you never quite know, Johnny. I, I, that's all you ever say. You, you can never, you know, you're starting pre-season. It's like, OK, how does this look? Fun enough, I, um, Mark McGee tried to sign me as well. In fact, I think Portsmouth tried to sign me and yeah. uh, I, I negotiated at Reading and stayed. You know, it, it was a big, because of how well we'd done, I think probably most of the players were being, there were offers to go elsewhere. Um so it, it was decimated, you're right. But when you start, you know, you always believe there's still enough talent there. You're still looking at players there you think could do the business. And I do believe still it comes down to the, the, the coaching, you know, and, and, and how you are. You're asking Jimmy Quinn and Mick Gooding, who were players for the last part of the season when they first took over, to us, to, to, we were just rolling. We were steamrolling teams. So they didn't really have to do too much tactically. And then you're asking two novice managers to be able to pick them up from where they'd been the year before, as you quite rightly say, with big characters going out of that dressing room. Um, and it, I'm not saying it was unachievable, but it was always going to be a hard steer, you know. Um, but you didn't know it. You know, you're again, you're a pro. You, you, you're under contract. You're playing. Dylan's saying it there, isn't he? You heard him at the start. You know, it doesn't matter how the results are going. doesn't matter what the club's doing, like Reading at the moment with the points deduction. As a professional footballer, you are playing for the shirt. You're not a lifelong supporter. You guys are. And so you have a responsibility to give your all in any moment you can. And now, of course, we all know that doesn't always work out like that. But, but that's really where you are and what, what's the requirement of you as a, as a pro. Uh, um, and Paul, I'll just, just finish off with this one. I mean, we talked about the next two games coming up. A couple of uh, tough games, it's fair to say. Um, what, what do you make of the situation you know ready in this this season and going back to last season and points deductions and all that what does that kind of you know um does that get to you a little bit that you bit this is a club that you've got such fond memories and it's not not going as well as it could be and all that sort of thing what are you I totally agree with you. I, you know, my experience, again, you have to remember that my boy signed there when he was six years of age and stayed until he was, what, 20, I think, 2021. 20, so I'd had my time as a player. I was then there as a father. I was there like five days a week. You know, I mean, he was in the academy training or playing. So I was around the club a lot. My mind obviously changed because I was becoming, as you say, I'm a father now. I'm looking at completely different. And when you look now and you look at these clubs that are struggling it's all to do with what's going on at the top. You know, you can name it now with Southampton, for instance, who for so long were going so well. Look at Brighton. They're going phenomenally well. Well, they're being run well from the top. And I think, you know, for Jordan up to the age of probably 14 or 15, I could always say to him, look, if you're a good academy player, you've got a chance to play in the first team because you had Nigel Howe there, you had Sir John. They knew how to run a club and they run it well. And, and they had a stability about them. The the way Reading has been dealt, well, what they have been dealt with these owners in the last, let's say, 10 years, has really ripped a big part out of the club, unfortunately. And so when you look at the team now, 
potentially they could win any game. They have the potential, but it just, it's not, it's like a car, you know, and you always talk about how many cylinders a car has. If you're not using all of them, you're never going to get the power out of the car. And it just feels like there's a detach between the ownership and, and the hierarchy and the playing staff. And, and it always shows up on the pitch. Well, Paul, that's uh, fantastic to have you on as a, as a guest. And, and for our listeners, our next episode is available from 8pm on Monday evening when our guest will be the Reading Chronicle Royals reporter, James Earnshaw. And then on Thursday next week, we'll be joined by the current Reading FC commercial director, Tim Kilpatrick. And um, if you listen to uh, our last episode, I mentioned a quiz Coming soon, we'll have a Reading FC quiz for you to take part in so you can test your Royals knowledge and that's available to listen into a week on Sunday. And our guest coming up includes someone that was mentioned uh, tonight, Colin Lee. He's coming up as a guest soon. Um, Also Noel Hunt and former Royals physio John Fern among the guests coming up. So join us for our next episode anytime after 8pm on Monday. And all that leaves me to say is thank you ever so much to Paul for being our special guest tonight. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Johnny. And as ever, come on, you ours. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.